What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always. Um, back again, second podcast back since a pretty long hiatus over the summer. Uh, if y'all haven't, go listen to the first podcast I did back in this, I guess, what would you call it, a new season or whatever, um, on Sunday. Put that out. Um, and it received a couple questions um, that I will answer um, or we'll get to those points here on today's podcast. Um, but today's podcast will be uh, a bit more Big Ten focused. Um, didn't plan to be, but um, have had a couple questions that uh, I'm able to do some stuff with on here. Um, and plain enough, they both pertain to the Big Ten. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, with the Big Ten starting football last weekend and uh, Rutgers getting that big win over Michigan State in football, uh, did kind of get my get the gears going in my head as, hey, I want to talk about uh, Rutgers and, and then some Big Ten stuff on the podcast this week. I've then obviously seen a couple questions pertaining to the Big Ten, uh, you know, kind of uh, kept the gears going more. So today will be a bit of a Big Ten-focused podcast. I didn't really plan to be, but just how things worked out. But um, before we get to uh, that, I do want to make uh, do want to uh, make reference or mention some uh, notable things here um, that have happened in the lacrosse world over the past, uh, actually today, uh, recording here on a Tuesday, some things that went down today. So first off, um, Want to send my condolences out to uh, the family of Dick Watts and the UMBC lacrosse family and greater UMBC family um, as well. Uh, Dick Watts was a is National Lacrosse Hall of Famer and coached at UMBC. Um, it's he coached them to a national title um, in 1980, which is the only title. It's actually I didn't know this. It's UMBC's only title national title in any sport. I did not know that. That's that's not something that I knew. Um, but he so he coached them to the the school's only national title thing. That's crazy. Um in nineteen eighty when they won the D two uh national title, uh I, I myself and I would think everyone else in the lacrosse world references that as uh the retriever's best season ever. So he passed away um, this morning, here on Tuesday, October 27th, uh, at the age of 92, obviously condolences to his family, um, and the UMBC family as well. Um, a bit more happier news over in Macon, Georgia, as Chad Sugman has been named the full-time head coach of the Mosul Bears. If you will remember, back in uh, August, I believe it was, yeah, August 6th, Chad Sugman was named uh, the interim head coach there following Kyle Hannon's uh, departure um, as he went to take a job in North Carolina with a card program, which whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, but he went to go take a job there, uh, leaving Mosa. Uh, the Bears should be in good hands. You know, he's been there 
for a while. Um, okay, he started in 2016. That's what I thought. Started in 2016 there. Uh, last year, mostly had their best start in program history um, as they went 5-1. and one. Uh, it was yeah, five and one. Oh, excuse me, six and one. Six and one. Uh, the lone loss being a fourteen to six defeat against number eight North Carolina. Uh, not an easy one to win for most teams, um, I would say. But um, had one of the best offenses in the country. Really an exciting team to watch um, last year. Should be in good hands heading into the twenty twenty one season with Sermon. As at the helm, as I mentioned, he's been there since 2016, so he knows the program, knows the guys. Um, you know, makes it a much easier transition um, when you have a can bring an interim in as a full-time head coach. We saw that at Cornell uh, with Peter Millman. Now, I'm not saying Moses is going to go off and go on a run like that, uh, but uh, should be a pretty strong season for the Bears uh, in 20. 21 with Sullivan at the helm. Now getting into kind of the meat of the show here, um, obviously mentioned wanted to talk about Rutgers, and uh, we will start there with our kind of Big Ten discussion today on the podcast. Um, Rutgers is a program that many know for being uh, pretty successful here recently. Uh, but they failed to do one thing, and they have failed to do so since 2004 when Jim Stagnita was there. Uh, they have not made an NCAA tournament appearance. I believe that makes it a 19-year drought or 18-year drought. Okay, 16-year drought. 16-year drought. Did my math wrong there. Uh, 16-year NCAA tournament drought for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Now, I love what Coach Brian Brecht has done with this program. He's elevated Rutgers lacrosse to another level. Obviously, 2016-2017 being that next level that uh, we saw from them when they had guys like Jules Hennenberg there. Now, when you look at Rutgers and what they've done since then, you know, and I always go back to this one game. 2017, they're 8-0. They go into a Tuesday night contest trap game against a Delaware squad. It's the last year of legendary head coach Bob Schillinglaw. They are going to win for Coach Schillinglaw. And Delaware did go on a pretty good run late in the season for Coach Schillinglaw there. Um... To, to, to kind of send him out as best as they could, which included an upset win over number one Rutgers. Since then, Rutgers has had multiple trip ups each year. They had multiple trip ups after that Delaware game, and that would hold them out of the Big Ten tournament uh, postseason altogether. And obviously they missed the NCAA tournament. 2016 is the year they lost in the, I believe, in the, yeah, the Big Ten title game to Maryland. 
um, and they missed the NCAA tournament. I honestly did think they should have been in that year. I, I honestly do think they were snubbed that year um, in the NCAA tournament. I really still to this day do not understand why they were not selected that year. They, they honestly should have been. Um, but um, that drought still pertains to this day. Um, and, you know, in 20, because 2016, 2017 is when they lose to Delaware. 2018, um, they I believe they went into the, yeah, they went to the Big Ten tournament in 2018 and 2019, uh, losing to Maryland and Penn State, which, you know, Maryland and Penn State have been the cream of the crop of the Big Ten for the past couple of seasons. And I expect them to be much of the same this year. Um, Rutgers loses to both of them in the 2018 and 2019 Big Ten tournaments in the first round. In 2020, wasn't necessarily, like, offensively, they were good. Offensively, they were really good. Defensively, they still continued this just, like, and I don't know what it is, but, like, and, and Max, like, they've had some good players. Max Edelman was a great goalie. I loved Max Edelman. Garrett Bullitt, who they have now, is a great defenseman. He's one of the best defensemen in the Big Ten. The, the thing with Rutgers is they've had good pieces on the back end, but they've never had a, what I would call a fully consistent unit like you see from some other teams. Um, you know, Yale is a team that comes to mind that, yes, they have great players, but Chris Fake, Jack Starr is in goal, but they also have a good unit. Towson, a couple years ago, is a, is a good example of that. And you know, there are so many teams that will have great players, but they're not a good unit. And I, I really feel like that's what Rutgers has been missing. Um, and I honestly feel that's what, for, for me, the, 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 the big thing for Rutgers in 2021 is like they have the talent. They, they honestly, they do. They have the talent to uh, get back to the Big Ten tournament. They have the talent to win enough games to get in either as a, uh, you know, if they win the Big Ten, which I don't expect them to do, I think they have enough talent to get in the NCAA tournament as a, uh, not an auto bid, but as an at-large. Auto bid would mean they win the Big Ten. I think they have enough to get in as an at-large bid. Now, as we've seen in the past, that, that will hinder on a couple of the conferences as well. Um, the Big East, um, you know, a couple of years they've had, uh, you know, Denver, Georgetown, and Villanova all kind of, you know, worthy of getting in. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but I do think Rutgers has enough talent. They have enough talent to do so. They really do. Um, and, you know, much of that talent, and I might have mentioned this in kind of the opening here, but is on the offensive end and, and what they bring back. So here, along with, I would say, along with Duke and Notre Dame, Rutgers is the transfer portal champion. Here's who they get. Midfielder Connor Coast as a grad transfer coming out of Villanova. Um, they got his 
brother, Colin Coast, who is coming out of Lehigh. And then they get a short stick defensive midfielder, Brian Ward, out of Yale. All, all three grad transfers there. Two on the defensive end. Ward can kind of run both shifts as well. Um, from what I remember him at, doing at Yale. Uh, had a successful um, career at Yale. Really picked up the pace last year, if I remember correctly. Um, and obviously the big names here are the Coast Brothers. Um, Connor Coast has been a, you know, just mentioned Villanova. Connor Coast has been one of the best players for Villanova um, over the past couple of seasons. Colin Coast has been uh, you know, the primary goalie at Lehigh. Uh, been one of the best goalies in the Patriot League, to be honest with you. Um, now, talking about, I'll leave Colin in a and talk about him more in a bit when I talk about this defense and kind of the personnel. But as I mentioned, they need to play better as a, as a unit. He might be uh, one piece that can help this unit play better as a unit. Um, but when you're talking about the offense, I mean, Kieran Mullins is coming back. Adam Charlambides is coming back for, a, what, seventh year? Adam Charlambides, he's only played, what, three Three, four years, so he's coming back um, for his really seventh year. Obviously, had those two knee injuries. Both of those guys are are studs. They're both going to uh, both attackmen as well. Both going to be leaders on this offense. And then, obviously, looking elsewhere, kind of on this offense, you obviously have those two stellar attackmen, and I think they're going to be really, really good um, next year. This coming spring as well, but what I even like more is what the midfield's going to be with Connor Coast in there now, because you look at the guys they have, they have one of the deepest, I thought, one of the deepest and most talented midfields, really offense overall, in the Big Ten last year. When you look at the midfield, junior uh, David Sprock is coming back. You have uh, well, Ryan Gallagher is an attackman. He's coming back for a senior year. Uh, Tommy Coyne is a senior midfielder. And Brennan Kamish is a senior midfielder. You put Sprock, Coyne, and Kamish out there. And then, you know, you know, you got three studs right there. And then you add in, you add in a guy like Connor Coast, who's been just ripping up the Big East for the past couple of years, for really his entire career. And... I mean, this midfield is going to be deep. It was already deep, but you add him in there, and it's even more deep. And I think that balance, it's a nice balance that Rutgers has had that other teams have kind of struggled with where they've had a, they've had a couple, you know, maybe one good attackman, one good midfielder that is, is an absolute stud, but it doesn't really work overall. I think that's, you know, you look at Princeton for a couple of years there with Michael Sowers where they were losing a lot of games, but you have the best attackmen or one of the best attackmen. You can make that description if you want. Um, in the country, when you go Rutgers this year, this offense is can be complete with the insertion of Connor Coast. 
um, especially at the at, at the midfield spot. And look, even if they didn't add him, I think it would still be a pretty complete offense. Now, the two areas, and I mentioned the defense already, and I'll kind of go through some of the personnel here. Um, and then I'll get to the face-off dot, which, my goodness, um, they're going to have to fix some problems there. But personnel-wise, on the back end for Rutgers, um, you know, in goal, you know, Steven Russo was a uh, transfer last year for uh, from Cleveland State, and he got the start. Um, I liked him. He's a good goalie. You add in Colin Coast, and I don't know if Colin Coast would get the start over Russo or if Russo would get it over Coast, but either way, you have two really good options that you can go to um, there. And, you know, if, you know, from what I've seen, I would think Coast might get that starting spot, but we really don't know. And I do think Russo did show last year he can play at that Big Ten level. Um, Garrett Bullitt, as I mentioned, is their best pole. He is their best defenseman. This is, this is going to have to be his defense. This year, uh, he's going to have to rally the troops if this defense is going to uh, be as good as they need to be for them to win. And then also you have uh, Jared Jean Felix and then Zach, uh, might butcher this name, uh, Massey, uh, coming back as well. Both were pretty productive last year. Um, and, you know, both seniors as well. Um, so you have a have more of a veteran defense. I don't know how much that will play into um, the experience factor, how that will play into this defense maybe taking a step forward this year. Uh, but in theory, they could. Um, you also have Ethan Rawl um, coming back as a junior at the LSM spot. Um, and if this defense doesn't step up, and this offense can't get the ball enough. Or they allow too many goals, as they did last year. They're not going to have much success. And this offense is great. This offense is great. Defense got to step up. Also, as I mentioned, getting the ball has got to happen, right? Well, Rutgers was 71st out of 75 teams. In Division One in face-off percentage last year, thirty-three percent as a team. Thirty-three percent. Towson, now defunct Foman, and Saint Bonaventure were the only three teams lower than them in face-off percentage. That is not good. That is, that is not good. Uh, this. Defense also ranked in the bottom half of uh, Division One, uh, I believe it was like forty fifth, something like that, allowing twelve point five goals per game. So, um, obviously the the big thing with them gotta get that, gotta get that defense up, gotta get uh, fix 
the issues at the face-off dot. And, like, being honest with y'all, I don't know who they're going to put there. Um, I haven't really even looked into the face-off situation there yet, but it will be an interesting season for Rutgers. We'll see if they can finally... Um, finally get over the hump, finally stop shooting themselves in the foot with pretty lackluster defensive play because this offense this offense is too good not to watch them play. But when I watch their defense, it, I, I just do not think that this is a a team, or I should say unit, that's a championship unit. I, I, I just don't. Um, again, Bullitt's a good player. They have good individual pieces, as I said, as they have in the past. They've had good individual pieces. They have good individual pieces. But they've got to put it together. And if they can and play a full game, um, and what I mean by a full game, I'm not meaning a full 60 minutes. I'm meaning um, a full game in terms of success on both ends of the field and in, the, and in between the boxes. If they can do that um, at least five times a game, ten times a game, whatever, Um they can be successful not only against some of these non-con teams that they will play, um, which tend to be easier opponents for the most part. Um, I believe they played Stony Brook last year. I know they lost to Stony Brook, and Stony Brook's you know, that they're no slouch, but um, you know, in terms of Big Ten competition, is much better than American East competition, uh, is what I'm getting at. So um, they should be able to be solid, but. That defense and the face-off dot, those two spots have got to, got to rise to the occasion. All right, that's enough Rutgers talk. Now I want to get into the kind of two questions that were asked. Um, One pertained specifically to um, Michigan. And the other one pertained, um, you know, both pertained to, mentioned Ohio State, but mentioned, um, you know, if, you know, in my, so we have the preview series going on across bucket.com right now, previewing all 74 uh, Division One teams. Ohio State and Michigan came out earlier this month. Um and so the question came really out of those two articles um, and then asked if I could talk about it on the podcast. Um, so I'll go with Michigan first. And really the question asked, um, you know, with the talent, the young talent that Michigan has brought in, um, will they be able to emerge as maybe a third or fourth team in the Big Ten? Um, and so when we look at the Big Ten, we have Penn State, Maryland, who I think are in a class of their own. Um, and then we have Rutgers, Ohio State, and Michigan. Missing anybody there? No, that's it. Five. We have five teams. Um, so I'm going to talk about these two questions, kind of maybe intertwined um, in terms of Michigan and Ohio State, um, where, oh, Johns Hopkins didn't, jeez, forgot about Johns Hopkins, um, jeez, 
Um, so I'm going to talk about these two teams here, um, Ohio State and Michigan, in terms of where they could be at the end of the season. Um, and I'm going to start with Ohio State first. Um, Ohio State obviously has been a very good program. They've made it to the NCAA tournament, uh, NCAA championship game in 2017, falling to Maryland. But they haven't gotten back to that level. Um, and they've, just like I mentioned with Rutgers, they've had a couple um, self-inflicted wins, um, if you will. Uh, 2018, five-game losing streak did the trick. Um, and while they did rebound, make the Big Ten tournament, they ended up falling to Johns Hopkins uh, by one goal in the semifinals. Did not make the NCAA tournament. In 2019, Ohio State had one of the best starts in the country, 7-0, and heading into Big Ten play. But they only won one Big Ten contest. I believe that was against Johns Hopkins. Um, so they got payback for that. Um, but they lose every other game, including their first ever, ever, first ever loss to rival Michigan. In 2020, they were 5-2 and two when the season was canceled um, and looked to have all the tools to make a run in the Big Ten and kind of get over that hump again. Um, I think here in 2021, they can certainly continue that push. Um, so they were, when you look at defense, you know, I'm a fan of this Ohio State defense. I really am. I think... Probably, so last year they were ranked number one in the Big Ten and 18th on last, 18th tied with Hofstra there in the nation in terms of uh, goals allowed per game. So in terms of the defensive ranking, they were 18th in the nation, which was first in the Big Ten. Um, I, and they also ranked 11th in clearing percentage, which is a big thing, um, obviously. So I do think this Ohio State defense is going to be good enough to get them to at least the Big Ten tournament. Um, And I would say most people would agree with me on that. I think they are the... I think they're the third or fourth best team, depending on where you want to put Rutgers. And depending on what Johns Hopkins looks like. The, the jury's still out on Johns Hopkins. I like Peter Milliman. I like what he's done in the past. I like some of the talent they have there. But they got to show me that they're actually competitive and not just a shell of what Johns Hopkins is supposed to be. But as for Ohio State, they got a ton of talent. ton of talent on both ends. Um, and this defense in particular, as I mentioned, I love this defense. You got... Alec Van de, uh, Van de Bovenkamp, Alec Van de Bovenkamp, um, from Furman in goal. One of the best goalies in the SoCon. I've seen him play in person maybe once or twice when he was at Furman. 
Um, really good player. Eric Wins, uh, defenseman coming in from Hofstra. Again, really good player. Um, I think those are two, probably, I have to look, probably two of the best defensive grad transfer pickups. Um, and then when you look at who's coming back from last year, um, they also return LSM slash defenseman Jeff Henrik for a fifth season. And then Jacob Snyder comes back as a sophomore. He started an all-seven contest. Additionally, you have Ben Williams, who started four out of the five games. Um, four out of the five games he appeared in, excuse me, last season. And should be a guy that gets more run. Personnel-wise, I think these, especially with the addition of wins and Boven uh, Camp, I I do want to say this is probably the best defense in the Big Ten again. Um, Ryan Terrafinko obviously returns two-way midfielder there, which will help them out on that back end and on the front end. So Ohio State, I'm a big fan of this Ohio State defense. Um, now, when you're talking about the offense, you know, they were... 17th nationally in offense last year, averaging 13.86 goals per game. And when you look at who they bring back, Trey McClure is the biggest name, obviously, coming back for a fifth season. And you also return some guys that aren't as well, I wouldn't call them household names, um, per se. Um, and Jack Miles, he's a junior. Jackson Reed uh, is a senior to attackman there, so they return the entire starting three attack with McCoy. And then midfielder Griffin Hughes and junior Johnny Wiseman are both coming back. And then uh, Grant Mitchell, who was a freshman last year, and got some run, uh, started a couple games as well. Um, it is going to be back as well. I think he's going to be you know, Grant Mitchell. I saw him play a couple times in high school. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really, really good player uh, for Ohio State in the future, and, and that future could start um, this year for him. So I'm high on this Ohio State team, especially that defense. I really, really like that defense. Um, and then you also have to mention Justin Anasio at the face-off dot. He's been a top 10, top 5 guy each year. Um, so, you know, this is a team that – is going to be really, really good, especially at the top level. Um, they do bring in a couple of really good freshmen um, that, I, that I like. A um, couple guys uh, that, I, I, I honestly, I don't think that this team will they'll lean on the freshmen very, very much just because of how many veterans they have. But if they need to, they have a couple of freshmen they can go to, a couple uh, inside lacrosse top top 100 guys, and uh, Logan Santos, a midfielder out of St. Paul's, uh, Gerard Kane out of the Hill Academy, uh, and then a faceoff man, 
uh, Drew Elder out of Norman, North Carolina. I don't wouldn't guess unless there's an injury to Anasio that they would use anyone else um, or to give him a breather. But Anasio, you know, is, is the answer at the faceoff dot there for them. So this is an Ohio State team, veteran leading, veteran laden. Um, do think it's going to be a good squad this year. I think they will be either. You know what? I'm just gonna go out, like I think they're the third best team in the Big Ten. To, to be honest with you, um, can answer that question. Um, and then I'll lead this into Michigan here. And kind of the question was uh, Michigan with how much talent they bring in um, again this year in the recruiting class and then the young talent last year. Is this the year they really take that step? And I did say in the article that I wrote on lacrossebucket.com, I do think this was the beginning of the ascension of, ascension of Michigan lacrosse. But... I don't think this year per se is going to be the year that we say Michigan lacrosse has arrived, if that makes sense. Um, No, they've fallen behind, it seems like. Marquette, Ohio State, Notre Dame, um, in terms of programs in the Midwest. Um, No, they were 4-3 and in 2020. They got waxed by Yale uh, was the last time that we saw them. Um, but they would turn a ton of young guys. Three of those starters were just freshmen. Um, and they also bring in uh, one of the top recruiting classes in the nation uh, with guys like Michael Bowen and Attackman at Seton Hall prep. Uh, excuse me, out of California, Kyle Stevenson, a midfielder at Seton Hall Prep in New Jersey, um, a couple other guys as well. Uh, former limestone midfielder Tyler Papa uh, will be using his fifth year of eligibility. Uh, he's been an all conference guy down there at D2 Powerhouse Limestone. So, do think both of those guys, Stevenson and Papa, could, um, you know, be a good. Michigan had one of the best midfield units in the, in the country last year, led by J- Josh Zawada. So those two guys joining. I don't know how much Stevenson will play as a freshman, uh, but Papa, I think, would definitely fit right in there. Uh, the Wolverines midfield produced 45% of their offense last year. Like 90% of that success was Josh Zawada, 16 goals, 16 assists. He is the man um, for that team, um, as well as you know, Alex Bukanavich and sophomore uh, Jake uh, Bonomi, who also contributed heavily at the midfield spot. Both those guys did, um, Bonomi being a uh, f- uh, sophomore this year, freshman last year. So you have two freshmen really um, going, contributing a, a bit. Zawada, obviously, more than Bonomi. Uh, Bonomi, but both guys really contributing at the midfield spot. And then as far as the attack go, you know, Bryce Coy, Kevin Mack are the two guys there. Um, so I like I like this Michigan offense. I like that you have a bunch of young guys that are, could, are in the mix and could be in the mix there, as well as some veterans um, on this on, on this 
on this unit on that end of the field. You know, I don't you know. Last year we saw them uh, struggle a bit at times, um, and you know, part of that, you know, they haven't really gone. They haven't fared too too well at the faceoff dot, um, especially didn't against Yale, which I wouldn't expect them to. Um, Nick Rowlett returns at the faceoff dot. Um, he missed his freshman year due to an injury, but went um, 55% last year as a sophomore. We'll see if he improves in that one to help this offense be even more efficient. I think for them, they've got to get that attack more involved um, if they want to have a successful uh, offense this year. You know, when ranking, if, if I were to rank the Big Ten offenses, I would probably go Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, probably Ohio State. Michigan would probably be fourth or fifth on that list. Um, And just due to the youthness factor of it, we have seen some guys have what you would call a sophomore slump. Uh, We'll see if that can be avoided with some of these contributors here with Michigan who are sophomores. Um, on the back end, you know, Andrew Darby is a junior and then Ryan Schreiber who got a lot of run as a freshman, uh, started I don't think he started every game, but he started most of them as a freshman, are the top two guys. Um, and you also have junior uh, Drake uh, Schaffner there as well. Uh, Matt Trowbridge and goal uh, started six games. Um, and then John uh, Carafone, uh, who was a sophomore last year, started the final game against Marquette. We'll see who they go with uh, full-time this year in 2021 in between the pipes. But um, you know, this Michigan uh, defense was um, – they were in the second half of Division One in terms of – Defense rankings allowing 11.86 goals per game. Um, so they were better than Rutgers, but still not up to par, I, I, I believe, to compete with these offenses in the Big Ten. Um, so from my perspective, and this is really to answer that question of what do you think do you think this is the year that Michigan takes that step? I do think Michigan's going to be better this year than they were or than they have been. But I don't necessarily know because of what their offense is, excuse me, because of what their defense is, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be ready to compete. Now, we only got, what, seven games last year out of Michigan? So maybe that changes. Maybe they come out firing on all cylinders on both ends. I don't know. And maybe by the time they get to Big Ten play this year, they will be firing on all cylinders on both ends. We don't know that. Unless they're able to come out and just be dominant on that end, I don't see them competing like many want them to in the Big Ten solely because of their lackluster defense. And yes, it's a young unit. I get that. And I think there's definitely room for for growth there. I think they have a higher ceiling as a unit 
than per se Rutgers because Rutgers is a lot of veteran guys. They've shown who they are. They've just got to be a, a, a solid unit and work together better. I think each guy, Schreiber, I love Ryan Schreiber. I think he has an even higher ceiling than what we saw him in high school and through his freshman year. And that's just one guy on that team. I think this defense has the ability to have a much higher ceiling than um, many. I've had many people kind of you know, talking about Michigan, saying like, "Hey, they're not going to do anything. They're going to the 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 someone called them the in, in my DMs called them the Harvard of the Big Ten. They get good recruits, but they can't win with them. And really, last year was that first year of a really big, really good recruiting class. And I think the, the, the tides are turning there in Ann Arbor. And, I, you know, Kevin Conley's done a great job. I just don't know if this year that defense scares me. That defense scares me. When I look at defensive rankings and I see you on the bottom half of Division One, and you're in the Big Ten, where you've got to face Maryland, Penn State, mentioned Ohio State, Rutgers with that offense. Heck, Johns Hopkins has a decent offense, right? Joey Epstein is an amazing player. I just don't know. I honestly just don't know what this team's going to be. I think they can take a sizable step forward, but in terms of the Big Ten, you know, I see them being a fringe Big Ten tournament team. And I would say the game between Michigan and Rutgers is probably, if you're looking at kind of who's going to be that last team in the Big Ten tournament right now, sitting here in October, I would say that's the game to circle for who could possibly get in there. So we've been on for about... 30 minutes now. Um, that is a little over 30. Um, that's all for today. As I mentioned, some Big Ten stuff going on there, talking about Rutgers, Michigan, and Ohio State and kind of where they stay in the Big Ten. Um, as I mentioned, I am a big fan of this Ohio State team, especially their defense. I think they're the third best team in the Big Ten. I think they could potentially win the conference if – um, they can take it to uh, Penn State and to uh, Maryland. Um, in terms of Rutgers, that defense has got to improve. In terms of Michigan, they've got a lot of youth, and we'll see how they develop. Um, Josh Zawada, love watching him play, um, but the ceiling is still pretty high there. They've just got to meet that. I don't necessarily think it will be exactly this year, but I think the wheels will start to turn in terms of going in the right direction this year. Um, That is all, again, for the podcast today. As always, lacrossebucket.com. You can find us on Twitter, at lacrossebucket, my personal, Tanner underscore Dimling. Website, as I mentioned, lacrossebucket.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, as also uh, at Lacrosse Bucket. And we'll see you all, uh, see y'all later in the week, probably uh, around next week, probably on Sunday. We'll probably be doing these 
Sunday, Thursday episodes. This one recording on a Tuesday, he will be coming out on a Sunday. So that is probably what the um, schedule will be. Haven't set a schedule for podcast yet. Um, coming into this new, I would call it a new season of podcast or whatever um, you want to call it. As always, y'all have a great week.